Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church of God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. I right, open up your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. We are deep into a series. Um, I think this marks the three-month mark we've been in James. Um, it's only got five chapters in it, and we've been in it for that long. That's awesome. Um, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. I have, like, this is my favorite series ever. Um, so um, if you don't like it, sorry. Because uh, <laughs> we still got several weeks left. Uh, so James chapter 4 uh, is where we're going to be at, so put your finger there. If you're using an uh, a iPad or a phone, please use U version. Um, it is a fantastic, fantastic Bible app. You can have basically any translation you ever wanted on there. Also, at the bottom right-hand corner is a little tab called Events. If you click on Events, you're going to find Shore Church of God on there. You click on that, then you will have all of uh, our notes uh, already printed up there that you can easily uh, save, you can send, you can mark your own notes or whatever, but it's already done for you there. That doesn't mean you get to check out for the rest of the message. It's just already, it's a help, okay? It's a guide, uh, if you will. So uh, there you go. And then you get to know if I got really off topic. Uh, so if I just like totally took a left turn, now you know. Um, but there's, there's that. So uh, we're talking about James and we're deep into the series. If this is your first time here, don't worry. You didn't, um, you didn't lose out on a bunch of stuff. Um, we're going to recap that. Also, you can check out all of our uh, old messages online at scog.com. All right, enough with the commercial. James is framed by two major thoughts. One we've already hit on, we hit it at the offering moment. But it's this big thought, right? James, a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. This idea of bondservanthood and what that means for us. We don't understand slavery. We don't understand bondservant because thankfully that is not a practice in our country anymore. But what it is, is we need to understand what that looks like in the Roman culture. Well, bondservant's different than traditional slavery because bondservant means I have come to you because I have had uh, something happen in my past. Um, maybe I made some bad business deals. Maybe just life is really hard. Maybe I want a better future for my kids, whatever that is. But I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, listen, I need you to purchase my past, my present, and my future. And so but by that, I'm submitting myself to you. You are now my master. You are, I am uh, uh, bonded to you. You get to tell me what to do. And spiritual-wise, what, what, what James is saying is that we come before God and we say, God, my past and my present and my future, I can't control these things. There's too much stuff going on. I need you to purchase the junk in my past, the stuff in my future, and whatever's going to happen, or in, in my present, and whatever's going to happen in my future. Does that make sense? We're all tracking. Okay, so we've hit that a lot in this series. So today I want to remind us of the second part of this that we haven't hit as much, but I want to be very, very clear about, is that God is also the victor. So we we submit ourselves and we serve our master, but he's also the victor. What do I mean by that? Because the next sentence, verse 2, says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when we go through trials and persecution. Consider it pure joy when you're having a bad day. It's basically what James is saying. Consider it pure joy when someone tries to kill you. Now, I don't know about you, but I think James is full of something. Right? I don't, like, whoo! 
Yay, my car broke down and my dog died and, you know, whatever. A country song just happened in my life and I'm not considering it pure joy, right? Whatever your issue is, and maybe you're even angry with God about, I get that. So what is this, uh, this understanding of the word joy? Because this is incredibly important. Joy, or the Greek word kara, actually means like a victory parade, like, what is it like when the boys come home for more? That feeling. You know, the World War II, the ticker tape parades, like, ah, everybody's screaming, people are kissing each other, hoop, hoop, all hoopla is going on, because the war is over and we won. It's a moment of pure joy. That is the joy, because they had this all the time in the, in the Roman, uh, Roman society, when the Roman armies would come home, it was called a triumph. And they'd march under these arches, and all the, the, the ill-gotten booty would come before you. Um, there's actually a, an arch in uh, Rome that has a menorah on it because the money that was stolen from the temple in AD 66, the Jewish temple in AD 66, when it was sacked and all the gold was ripped off, it paid for this beautiful arch in the Forum of Rome. Right? And so the army would march underneath that, uh, that arch and, woo, look at us. And that, everyone would go wild. It's like when the Cubs won the World Series. That's the feeling. Right? You're not re- remembering the 100 years they didn't make it. You're remembering the win. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, because uh, that will speak to you. I could, uh, could bring in the Cubs and you guys will, will understand that. Um, that's funny. <laughs> But it's that same feeling. You don't remember the loss. You don't remember the pain. You don't remember Ryan Sandberg, you know, never having a chance but being a great cub. You don't remember that. You remember the win. And so consider it pure joy. Remember the win. Remember the ticker tape parade. Remember the the hoopla. That is joy, okay? Because in war, not everybody comes home, right? There's never been a war where every single person was like, oh, you know, we rock, paper, scissored it, and then, then we, we figured out how this is going to work. No, people die in war. There's pain and, and suffering in war. There is trials. There's stuff that happens in war. But that's all put to the side when the victory is complete. And so when we say consider it pure joy, remember who has the victory. I know stuff hurts, and I know the loss is going to be there. And I know tomorrow, kind of like the, 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 the excitement of the parade's over, and there's going to be pain, but remember that we are victorious. And so we remember two things here that James is setting out. James, the bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ, right? We are, God has bought our past, present, and future, and that God is victorious. And so everything else in the whole book, those are the first two verses in the, cha- in the whole, whole book. Everything else is framed out of those two thoughts. Okay? We follow me here? Everything else. Because James is going to talk about how to control our tongue. We, we kind of need to remember how to frame how to control our mouth. If you have children, or you're married, or you breathe air, you have to remember how to control your tongue. Nice. Love it. Um, and the second, the second thing is, um, how do we treat others? How do we love our neighbor? Because we're going to remember that. How are we going to treat other people? We have to remember how our priorities are. How do we construct our day? How do we, how do we figure that out? And the third way, which we're going to talk about a lot today, is incredibly important. How do we make decisions? How do we make choices? How do we make this thing work? Is Laura Warren downstairs? Because somebody's got them wound up today. Um, so that's funny. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear the kids screaming, but it's awesome. Okay? Uh, so um, 
Tucko. Maybe they're bringing down the walls of Jericho or something. I don't know. I want to be in there on their story. Um, so you've got, you got this, how do we make decisions is what we're going to talk about today. How does that work? What, is, what does that look like? And so I want to tell you just a little bit of story, something that happened to me um, a couple of weeks ago when I went on vacation. So I, we were driving in two cars, my parents in one car, and sometimes a kid when we got tired of them, and, um, and the, the Hauser family in our minivan. And so we're going to Washington, D.C. We decided to stop halfway there somewhere in Ohio uh, at a hotel that had a pool and let them get a little energy out so we didn't go crazy and still actually enjoyed uh, a vacation, right? And so we're, we're, we did that the night. We got up in the next morning. We're not really in sync yet. It's still Monday. Like, it's, we're not all fully on vacation. You're just trying to get where you're going. Kelly and I, it's kind of like, you know, we've got all three kids, so it's not all too bad, right? But we're, we're, we're working on it. You guys know what I'm talking about, unless you all are perfect. But okay. Um, and so we're going, and she's like, she's got her phone out, and, and uh, she goes, you need to take a right here. And I'm like, no, I'm not taking a right here. That is northwest. I'm headed southeast. Why would I take a right here? That would head me in the exact opposite direction in which I want to go. And so Jared says, no, I want to go. And I go here. And I say it with all confidence and then proceed to have to do three U-turns because if I would have taken the right where I was supposed to take the right and go in the wrong direction, what perceived as the wrong direction, I, what, what happened was I didn't know that, that on the toll road, they all, everyone went one spot and then you divided after you paid the state of Ohio some money. Whoops-a-daisy, right? And so it cost me all kinds of time, a lot of frustration. Let me tell you guys, 8 o'clock in the morning on the second day of vacation is not a good time to have a spousal war over the directions. <laughs> right? This is not the way this is supposed to be working. Because uh, I can't ask Kelly to go ride with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> We almost made the prayer chain right then. Um, all right. So that's how our vacation basically started. And really, what was the problem? My pride of, I know where I'm going. I'm going that way. Well, actually, it was that way. <laughs> I'm going that way. And you want me to go that way. That's the wrong way. I'll do it myself, and I'll go this way. Now, I make fun of myself in directions. But how often do we look at God and the ways in which we make choices and say, are you crazy? I want to go that way. And God's like, but what you that that's that's where i'm calling you to that's the better way this is what's good for you this is this is everything that you need this is what i have planned for you you say you submitted yourself to me so you need to go right you you need to go this way but you're going to go that way and we choose out of our own hubris and our own pride we go the wrong direction because we can do it ourselves. Because we never actually mature out of that two-year-old phase, right? I do it myself, and I'll go this way, and it causes all kinds of problems. But if we are what James says we're supposed to be, a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ, guess what? We don't get to choose where we go. Because when you are a bondservant, you say, God, where do you want me to go? And he says, go this way. I don't like that way, but I'm still going to go because I'm a slave to you, God. And I will be obedient. But we're Americans and the whole country. Is built on one simple product. I will do it myself. Right? Like the whole, the whole thing, why we have a country here, is because I'll do it myself. I don't need anybody else to know what to do, which is cool, except it doesn't work with the whole Christianity thing. It butts heads with it all 
the time. I am enamored with the idea of being a homesteader. I watch all the shows from the comfort of my couch in my air-conditioned home. <laughs> right? I would love, love, love to, like, you know, grow my own food and, and do that whole thing and ride a horse and have fun and, and do the whole thing, except I'd die in, like, 10 days. I, you know, I, it would just be bad. But, I'm the, I, but I love the idea of I'll do it myself. I'll take care of myself. Christianity is I submit myself to God. I'm a bondservant. He's bought my past, my present, and my future. I don't get to do it by myself. I get to do it with God, which is a whole better option. But we're enamored with the idea of I'll do it myself. And so this is a huge hurdle in which we have to jump over, figure out, uh, humble ourselves so that we will submit ourselves to God. Once we start to do that, a whole new realm of how we operate and how we interact with God opens up to us. But some of us are stuck and we don't understand why our relationship with God's not getting over a certain point. Like we just keep on, we keep on feeling like we're hitting an emo- like a, a spiritual wall. I don't, I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but you just got boom, boom. And you're like, ah, maybe God just doesn't work. I don't know. I'm just disenfranchised. I'm disillusioned with, with God. Church did, I tried it out. Maybe you have friends here. What's going on is God didn't do what you wanted him to do when you wanted him to do it. And as hard as that is to hear, that's what's going on. And it may be serious things. It may be health stuff. It may be job stuff. It may be retirement stuff. It may be kids stuff. But God didn't do what I wanted him to do, and so I'm disenfranchised with it. Now, that can be as petty as, you know, I didn't get the Lego I wanted, or it can be the petty as you didn't show up when I needed you, God. Where were you? But at the end of the day, he has bought my past and my present and my future. And so I have to operate out of this idea of submission to him. That's hard. That's not an easy ask, folks. That's not an easy ask. But if you put it in the context of what James is saying, he is saying you have sold yourself all of who you are. I'm sorry. But if I was in financial trouble or dealing with something in in AD 40, and I'm going to a guy and saying, listen, uh, Lawrence, I need you to purchase my life, that is not an easy thing to do. That would be a, uh, I mean, I would be up all night popping some Tums. If I'm making this choice that I need someone to purchase me. And so we take this whole Christianity thing kind of lightly sometimes, and we say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm not going to hell anymore. Woohoo! Awesome. That's a pretty big bonus, right? But, but the fact of the matter is this is a daily life change of who we are, that I am submitting all of it to God, my past, my present, and my future. We make... Our choices through the filter of God as our master and God as our victor. And so if we're starting to, I need to make my choices different. I need to reframe how I'm, I'm operating. I need to make my choices as God as my, um, my master and my victor. So I don't just go, oh, he's my master. He's my boss. Oh, I got to do whatever he tells me to do. He's also the one who has fought for me and won the war. That's, that's different, right? Because one, if we only think of God as our master, we kind of get a little bit like, yeah, I got to do this. He's my boss, whatever. But in my victory, he's fought for me. He's won for me too. Let's, let's keep both of those together, okay? We make our choices through the filter of God as our master and our God as our victor. And the rest of this uh, scripture we're going to talk about today, I'm going to establish the filter that James 
puts in for us. I got a, a picture of a water filter I'd like to come up um, on screen now. If yes, before Kevin went on vacation, he did what I asked him to do. Ah, uh, love it. Um, so you see, this, this is kind of a like a, a homesteading way of building your own water filter. You've got um, a two-liter bottle here that's inverted into another two-liter bottle. That's what what the, that is. Um, you got. Uh, you start with some cloth, and you, you, you rubber band that to the bottom of a two-liter bottle. You put some fine sand in there. Then you get some charcoal, which is really, really important part, uh, coarse sand, and then some rocks to filter out some sediment. So what you take junky water out of a river or a lake or whatever, you pour it in this thing, and it will uh, matriculate through these different layers of filters and get out. Now, some of these filters are built to take chunks of mud out. I'm thankful for chunks of anyone ever drink any water with chunks of mud in it. Not that smoothie, but actual, you know, like a kale smoothie feels like this sometimes. But um, we, we take mud in it. No one wants to drink dirty water. So, oh, you got all the mud out? Great. It's nice, clear. But if no one or no filter took out the microbes, you still get dysentery. It may taste great. It may look beautiful, but no bueno. Right? There's been water. Um, I, when I was in, on a mission trip in Guatemala... Um, we were, I was taking, the way I had to take a sh- uh, bath or shower was a bowl in the rain bucket and dump it on my head. And it was like a billion degrees outside. And I just, oh, everything in me just wants to drink it. <laughs> They're like, no, do not do that. But it's nice and clear and beautiful, but it's not filtered. And my, my city-fied sissy belly could not take whatever was going to happen there. So I just very nicely kept on dumping that on my head because it hadn't gone through the f- proper filter uh, treatment, right? For me. When we make our decisions, when we make our choices, when we come before God, there's a filter that needs to be placed. There's a filter that needs to be gone through. We need to go through a certain process in which we're eliminating some of the mud. We're eliminating some of the junk. We're eliminating some of the fine particles. We're eliminating the microbes. That all doesn't happen all at once. It's a, it's a kind of a process in which we go through. James is going to lay this out here in just a few short verses. And so I want you to kind of really press into this this morning. James uh, 4.3, we're going to talk about this first, almost missed it. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. When you ask, you do not receive. Why is this a problem? Because when you ask and you're like, hey, I think this would be a great idea. God, I, I want to win the lottery this week. Well, why do you want to win the lottery? Because I, I want money. I want to buy stuff. Now, you may play a game like, God, I would tithe so much of that money. I would, you know, pay for an orphanage. You know, you try to do that thing. I don't know. My brain does weird things. But whatever that looks, God, give me a raise because then I could do all this. Why are you asking for this? Is it for stuff that's going to lead you astray? Because that's not really the motives that I want to bless. And so when we ask, do we have the right motives? When we make choices, do we have the right motives? And so we're going to go through this filter, this water filter, um, to kind of layer these filters on our own lives and our decision-making processes. And maybe this will help us um, get to a place where we never have to wonder if our motives are right or not. James 4, verse 7 and 10. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You are double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Every decision must be through the filter of God's priorities. 
Every decision must be through the filter of God's priorities. Every decision, how many, which one? All of them. Every decision must be through the filter of God's priorities. The first filter, removing the junk, removing the big muddies, the rocks, if you will, in our picture. The first part of this, submit to God. This is huge. This is huge. When we make decisions, we're like, we make a decision. We're like, God, should I do this or do that? What does that look like? And God says, well, you should do this. And we're like, but that look, me and Kelly, but that's the wrong direction. I'll do it my way. All right. Kind of broke the whole filter, the whole process right there. Right? We have to submit to God. We have to approach God with submission in our lives. You are the master. I am the bondservant. What does this look like for you? Okay, you want me to do that. It's not necessarily what I would choose. Maybe it is. That's better than what I was thinking. Okay, I'll submit to God in this. That's the first layer. Second layer is this. Resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee. Now, this this is interesting because what this is talking about is the temptations. We have these temptations. We're going to submit to God and then we have to resist the devil. So we come to it and and, uh, we're, we're going through this filter process then immediately when we start to submit to God in our lives, we will be tempted not to do what God is asking us to do. This is just the way life works. And maybe those are big, serious things for you. Maybe it's addictions uh, to um, a thing, a substance, a gambling, or whatever it is that will start to draw you. Maybe it's just um, your, your temptation is to go off of God's priorities and go off to something other good, right? It's so easy to be tempted to, to a different good. Right? Oh, it's just, I'm, I'm just loving them. I'm reminded of the guy who says, God, before I follow you, I'm going to go get, bury my mother and my father. And God's like, no, follow me now. Let your, let your parents bury themselves. Which sounds really, really harsh, but what it's talking about is where's your priorities? That's a good thing, but it's not the greatest good thing. It's not my thing. And so if we are submitting to God, we have to fight through the temptations to get distracted by the stuff to the left and to the right of us. So if we fully submit to God, then we're tempted to not be submitted to him anymore. And we have to fight through that. Once we fight through that, this is just how spiritual warfare works. You fight through that temptation, you'll have a period of growth, and you'll, be, you'll personally grow a lot in your faith and in life, and then you'll hit another temptation. It's a cyclical thing. It keeps on coming. And you'll go, ugh, and do you lose that one? Or do you fight through that one as well? And it's just, it keeps on happening. If it hasn't happened to you lately, it's coming. Um, resist the devil. Maybe the, the temptation is when you're making a decision, this one's going to make me so much more money. This one's going to make me so much more popular. This one's going to... Help me in this. This one's going to make this so much easier. Yeah, but it destroys maybe uh, the cohesion you have with your family. Maybe it destroys uh, the priorities that you've set as a, as a, as a man or as a husband or as a, as a wife. Maybe it keeps you from being able to, to do the things that God is calling you to do. I've talked to several uh, people even in this church that get, took part-time jobs, and they were getting paid nothing for the part-time job, just, just nothing for the part-time job. But they were sacrificing all the time they're getting to see their kids. And it's like, is it worth the seven bucks an hour to not see your kids? Oh, 
I never even thought of that way. I mean, I appreciate that you're teaching your kids hard work ethic. That's awesome. But the $21 you made tonight delivering pizzas, was that good enough to miss your kids? No. Okay. We've got to resist that temptation. Third thing, third filter. You see how these, you submit to God, resist the devil. We've taken out stuff, we've taken out stuff, we've taken out stuff. Third thing is draw near to God. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is a beautiful promise. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to do uh, maybe like two or three of these filters and apply them to my life. I don't like to do all of them. <laughs> like, oh, sure, I'll read the Bible. Great. I'm still not submitting to God, and I'm actually failing on all the temptations that I've had right now. I cannot put the donuts down, or I can't do this, and I can't do that. You know, whatever that is, but I will read my Bible, dadgummit. Or maybe you're like, no, 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 I've done everything, but I don't pray, and I don't touch the Bible. This is incredibly important, drawing near to God. Because if you fully submitted to God, and now you've resisted the temptations, the, the way in which those two filters continue to work is if you are hugged up close to God. Those decisions start to be easier, and it just starts to flow easier through you when you, the closer you draw to God. Okay, I've submitted to him. I've seen how he's worked. I've fought off the temptation. He's walked me through that. Now I've drawn near to God. I've been in prayer. I've been in Bible study. I've been, I've been in contact with him. I've been in fellowship. Drawing near to God starts to filter out the thoughts that get you away from being submitted to him. Because you're near him, right? It's a lot. When you're not near, in a place near, uh, near someone, it's a hard. My, one of my, my best man at my wedding, his birthday was yesterday. I haven't seen him in 10 years. Um, like we, have, we haven't seen each other. It's really hard for me to think about Petey when I'm not near Petey. Right? It's just a simple fact. Like we don't, we're guys, so it's not like we're, you know, calling each other every, every five seconds. Hi, what'd you do today? You know, we don't FaceTime each other, don't Snapchat. They would be awkward. Um, he would probably punch me if I ever tried to do any of those things. But uh, one of the reasons we're, he's in Colorado, I'm here. No, I'm just like, um, we haven't seen each other in forever. So we don't think about each other all the time. When I was birthday, I thought about him. Right? And sometimes that's the same relationship we have with God. Like, yeah, God, I gave my life to you about 15 years ago, and we were really close for a season and for a time. But, you know, we just kind of drifted apart. If we want these decisions to continue to be made, if we want that relationship to go, we have to draw near to God. The fourth filter that's built in here is repentance. Repentance. Now, repentance is kind of like the charcoal layer. This is the layer that gets the microbes out. This is the layer that gets the, all the other ones are kind of getting the mud out and some bigger things out. Repentance starts to get fine-tuned, get the microbes out so, so our life can be better. What repentance means is to turn the other direction. If sin, uh, sozo, the Greek word, means actually to miss the mark, repentance is to change your aim so you hit where you're aiming, right? And so repentance... Is, is this, is, we're changing our ways. Where are we at in our life? What does it look like in our life? That we need to actually change the way in which we're operating. We've submitted our lives to God. We've fought off the temptation. We've drawn near to him. I'm telling you, repentance is a whole lot easier if you've done these first three, right? We've come to church. We've had an encounter with God. Maybe we've gone to a conference, whatever that is. I mean, like, God, I'm, I'm never doing that again. I'm never changing that again. I'm repenting. I'm changing my ways from that. I've done it right here. We find ourselves the next week, the next month, right back in the same spot. 
why does that continue to happen? And some of us get pretty angry that we keep on finding ourselves in the same treadmill back at the same spot, right? Right? Okay. We do that because we haven't submitted to God, we haven't fought off the temptations, and we haven't drawn near to God. We, we've, we've done number four without getting all the other stuff doing. We have to do all of these. This, is, this makes sense. This is how the filter of how we live our life, this is the filter of how we make um, our, our, our proper choices. If we, if we just repent, that's nice. We pre- repented. We, um, there was Woodstock Baptist Church. It's one of the biggest Baptist churches in the country. It's about three miles away from my house in, in Georgia. And um, they did baptisms every Thursday night. And they would have altar calls at all like seven, uh, we call it Six Flags Over Jesus. I mean, this place was huge. You could see the dome from everywhere, okay? Um, so uh, we weren't jealous of the church building or nothing, maybe a little lot. Um, <laughs> But you could see it from everywhere. And, and, but kids would go there. Adults would go there. And like, oh, I got ba-. Put on Facebook. I got baptized at Woodstock Baptist last week. You got saved at our church two weeks ago and saved at that church the, the week before that. Why? Because they were, they were knowing something was wrong in their life. And they just kept on repenting and kept on repenting and kept on repenting and kept on repenting. But they were not submitting their lives to God. And so there's not a changed behavior. Maybe you find yourself in the same spot. You come to church, you go, ah, I, don't, I know I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm, I'm going to change. And then the parking lot, you're screaming at your husband. That lasted 30 seconds. And you get really frustrated. You're like, this God thing doesn't work and I'm done. Right? You know friends like that? Maybe you're like that. Let's just keep it on our friends and our family. Why? Why doesn't it, why doesn't it hold? Because we're not submitted fully to God. We're not operating under the bond servant. We're not resisting the devil and, the, and temptations. We're not drawing close to God's heart, but we're just repenting. Repenting's not fun. I don't like doing it. I would rather have a lot less things in my life to repent for. Right? And if we do these filters in this proper order, guess what? There's a whole heck of a lot less to repent from. Because if I'm fully submitted to God, I don't have to repent as much. Right? If I've drawn near to his heart, there's less for him to go, hey, stop doing that. That was really loud. Um, (laughs) Right? Because God's not so gentle with me. I have to have the two by four in the back of the head. That's how God's, hey, stop it. I got to run into the wall eight times before it changes me. Repentance. Change your ways. And the finally, which is so incredibly, incredibly important, is humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Do what you need to do to maintain yourself in proper alignment with God. Because when we start feeling ourselves, when we start thinking that we're more important is when we stop submitting to God. It's when we stop listening to what his wants are over our wants. When we start, I can do it my way, I'll do it myself, we start going, you know what? I don't necessarily need to draw close to you today. I don't need your wisdom today, God. So we ha- this is the anchor point. This is that final filter at the bottom of that two-liter bottle that, that, that c- continues to do that. If we take that off, if you take that, that filter off, guess what? Everything's just going to start running out of it, and, and junk's going to flow through, and then you've got a nice glass of chunky water, Right? But what we want to produce is the living water that lives in us and that changes us, mind, body, and soul. You see how all these work together. This is not just a one and thing. This is not just, I'm going to be humble. I'm the, I'm the most humble person I know. You know? That's a contradictory statement. But the, um, I'm, I'm so humble. Well, yeah, no, you're just self-depreciating. 
Because what, what you're doing is you're, if you're not, you're not living out this life of saying, you know what, I'm not better than anybody else. I don't have all the answers. I'm coming before God and saying, God, I, I'm not the one in charge. You are. You start it with submitting to God. You finish it with submitting to God. And this starts to shape the way in which we make choices. Some of you have hard choices coming up in your life. Where are we moving to? Am I taking this new job opportunity? What college am I going to? What career am I choosing? How am I going to love my children through this tough time? How am I going to love my kids in this? What school should they go to? Do I take them out of this? Do I put them in this? What all these crazy, crazy hard choices. Have we even thought about what God wants for us? Because when we align ourselves in this filter mentality, our decisions start to become easier. When we say, you know what? I'm going to submit my life to God. I'm going to flee or resist the devil. I'm going to draw near to God. What's my next one? I forgot it. Oh, I'm going to repent. I'm going to repent from, all, from the sin in my life, and then I'm going to humble myself. When we do these things, the decisions become clear. The decisions become easier. It's when we interject ourselves and our own wants that we got problems. I'm going to come back to the story uh, finally, the last night of Washington, D.C. Remember how this started with me turning right when I should have turned left because I'm too pig-headed. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C., it's like uh, you know, who, James Madison or whoever designed that thing took a plate of spaghetti and went, there's a road system, right? Uh, it's not fun. It's crazy traffic. It's horrible. It is horrible. It's one of the only places I've ever... Uh, I've, lived, I've got, now driven in the three worst traffic areas in the country. Atlanta? Chicago and Washington, D.C. There's just so much fun. Um, And D.C. and Chicago have the problem of there's water on one side of you, so you can't, you know, build roads that way. So we're driving through Washington, D.C. My dad's, or or getting ready to. My dad says, you know what? It's last night. What I really wanted to do is go see all the monuments at night. We were in Washington, D.C. at the summer solstice. It's the longest stinking days of the year. I've got a 16-month-old who hasn't taken a nap in seven days because we've been going to these museums. Yeah, Dad, let's stay up later to go see monuments at night. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. So we're going uh, to see monuments at night, and I'm just praying, Lord, let let Lucy just fall asleep. Please, just let her fall asleep. So we're driving. Kelly's in the very back seat because my dad's in the shotgun because my dad's 6'6 and can't fit himself in the back of the minivan and uh, my mom needs to be at the other seat so Kelly's all the way in the back and she's got her cell phone out and she's shouting out directions and so we're pulling up to the Jefferson Monument and we're going around the mall and and half the the streets are closed for God knows why Uh, some senators probably walking across his with his dog and they had to shut down half the city so um, we're doing it and she says Take a left here. And I'm like, there's the monument. It's right there in my head. I did not say this because Jesus took my mouth. And I said, because we're practicing James, you know, watch what you're saying. So I'm like, there's the monument. It's right there. If I turn right, I'll be right there. And she says, turn left here. And I was like, she was right before. I turn left. Lo and behold, it pulls us right up in front of the Jefferson Monument. Everyone gets these absolutely gorgeous pictures of the monument uh, on the Right there, the title basin. I mean, they're absolutely beautiful because I actually listened to the directions they're going. I thought with my pride and what I saw, I should turn right here. Who knows where that would have taken me? Probably to some secret service place where I got arrested. I don't know what I was. 
I turned left and I started listening. And we, I just, I said, okay. And I just kept on listening. She was telling us everywhere, telling us everywhere to go. Boom, 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 boom. It was amazing. I'm zipping in and out of traffic. It's fantastic. At the end of the night, my mom goes, wow, you thought doing crown molding was hard as a, a marriage exercise. That, that, was, that was impressive. I don't know, I don't know anyone who would, who would have taken direction like that. And I was like, that's because I learned my lesson earlier in the week. You don't know about all that one. But I learned my lesson. <laughs> I tell you that story. Not to lift my wife up that much but to, to, uh, or to degrade myself, but to say there's opportunities in our life when we, where when we choose our own way and we choose the ways that we think might look better without you know, consulting the person that has the map, that has the plan that, that we're tr- supposed to be submitting to, we choose those. We mess up. We miss out on all kinds of opportunities. When we listen, when we submit ourselves, when we flee the devil, when we use this filter stuff, we get to see the beauty of life. We get to actually step into the life that God has for us because he has amazing things for us. He has beautiful things planned for us. And we keep on messing it up. We keep on t- putting all kinds of junk in the way because we think we can do it myself. When in actuality, Jared, a bond servant of God, and of Jesus should be living a life of submission, of repentance, of drawing near to God, of fleeing the devil, and of humility. That shapes and changes all the decisions that we make. It shapes and changes our life. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for this time together. God, I ask you right now, there, I know there's, we here as a people, we've been getting this filter out of order. We've been kind of running away from this filter. Maybe we've been picking and choosing the parts of the filter that we we like. God, right now I want to submit all of my life, all of my decisions, all of my choices, my parenting, my marriage, my work, my personal life, all of it to you right now through all this filter, that I want to submit myself to you, that I will give me the strength to resist the temptation, resist devil, that you would give me the the amazing privilege of drawing near to you. That you would encourage me to repent from the things that I've put in my life that detract from you. and That I would keep a humble spirit. God, there's people in here right now that that have been thinking about you. Maybe they've been frustrated with you. They've been disillusioned with you. God, that you would draw near to their heart right now and they would know that they need to change the filters of their life. God, in this moment, in this time, they would say, God, I need you to purchase my past and my present and my future. I've got too much stuff. I can't handle it all myself. I need you to buy it all. That people right here in this moment, in this time, in this congregation would submit themselves to you fully. All of it. That we would go from here changed people. And that we would continue to live changed lives for all the rest of our days. God, I love you. I ask you to take these souls. I ask you to take our lives, to shape them into something beautiful. And then when you say turn right, that we will turn right. And when you say go straight, we will go straight. That we will stop fighting you on every step of our lives, but submit to you. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Go with God. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. 
If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.